I was talking to somebody after the early service who had been in person worship, and they're like, it is not like this if you stay at home. It is nothing like this. There's such a, just an energy of being together worshiping God. So thank you for being here. And we've really tried to do this safely. So thank you for wearing a mask. I know it's a pain and we don't like this moment in time. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Thanksgiving because this year for me, God has really changed my perspective of this. And, and I hope he, he's doing that with all of us, is in the process of doing that with us. And that's because this year, especially this fall, hasn't on its own really been a thankful time for me. Maybe it hasn't for you, too, for some reason. Maybe there's something that's come into your life that's been hard, and, um, and you're feeling that. And so this is where my heart went in this of saying, okay, why Thanksgiving? And why have God's people been a thankful people? What does God do in that? And so that's what I want to talk about with you this morning. I'm going to read from an Old Testament prophet, Daniel, who is a guy that God gave extraordinary insight into where history and the whole story that we're living in is going. And it wasn't just about the world and where it was going. It was also something God was doing in his life personally that God convinced him of his presence and of his sovereignty. I don't know if you know that, but all the gods of the ancient world, there was only one that people believed was really alive and at work in history. The other gods were ideas. They weren't involved. They weren't present. And so that's a huge difference in what we understand. We know a savior. We know a God who came into our world in human flesh, had a body like yours, lived days like we do, and knows us because of that to redeem us. I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 6, just a few verses. We'll come back and look at this together, look at what God is doing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den. Let's pray together. Father, we are living in a broken world, and that shouldn't be a surprise to us, but it often is, Lord. We, sometimes our breath is taken away by, uh, by the crack that runs through our world especially those days when it seems to run through our lives with a depth and intensity. And so, Lord, we, we need to learn how in this, how to focus on you, how to keep our eyes on you and, and why that would make all the difference. And we pray in Jesus' name, 
Amen. I came to see this fall that wow, we need Thanksgiving. If, you, if your heart hasn't been there, if you haven't looked at what you have to be grateful for, I want to just encourage you to take some time. Get away, take a walk, get some silence. I just remember a story from great artist Vincent Van Gogh. You'll see a self-portrait of his. He was in deep depression. I don't know if you know, but he, he started as a missionary to coal miners long before he ever really took up painting. And when he did, he, he never really sold his paintings. And he was going through an immensely deep depression when he got a letter from his brother. His brother's name was Theo and his brother's wife, Joanna. They had had a little baby boy. You'll see a picture of him. And they not only told him that they had a baby, but they gave him the name Vincent William Van Gogh. They named him after his uncle, and this so was so powerful, it's like a shaft of light shine was shining in the darkness. And he went away and he said, I want to paint something. He wanted it to go above the bed where his nephew was going to sleep. And what did he choose for a subject? Really a picture of light that has a lot of meaning to it. This one, those are almond blossoms. It was sent to that little nephew and it would hung above his bed. You can see it at the family, what was the family museum in Amsterdam today. And you say, well, why almond blossoms? What is that? We well, see in their world, his world, this is the first plant that would bloom after winter. And the darkness and gray and lifelessness of winter, a little bloom was appear, would appear. And it was the sign of, of hope that new life was coming. It was really the picture of resurrection. And I thought, that's it. We need this almond blossom to remember this. And the reason is because as Ileana was saying, we've been living through a painful year of discouragement and fear. And by the way, things are tamping down again. There are more lockdowns. Schools are shutting down again. And yet in the middle of this, there's the promise of relief from vaccine. But more than anything, as a pastor, as I'm listening to people, I hear fatigue. We're just weary of it. We're exhausted. We're tired, not knowing what's next and where all of this is going and, you know, throw into there a couple of dashes of national division and more than a pinch of uncertainty, and you have the recipe for anxiety and restlessness, not gratitude. I was remembering the Homer Simpsons. You remember the Simpsons when they sat down for dinner and the prayer over Thanksgiving dinner was, Dear God, we paid for this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. We made it happen, come on. We bought the turkey and fixed the dinner. But this year I thought the prayer would go something like this. Really God, you want us to thank you for this? How are we gonna do that? But yet when you read scripture, you see sort of woven as a thread through the message of God is this calling to gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. How are we gonna do that? Where's that gonna come from? Why in the world would I do that this year? And yet what I began to see was more than ever, this is a year when we need to learn gratitude and how it works in our lives. You see, I believe gratitude is God's gift to us to bring us through 
times like this. Why do we separate? We do. We separate gratitude from painful times. Like the two don't fit. It just doesn't make sense to be grateful at a moment like this. But I'm learning that the opposite is true. God gives us gratitude as a gift for a moment like this. And by the way, that doesn't mean we avoid the problems or we act like this isn't happening. Instead, what we do is this. And wherever we find ourselves, we add gratitude. We don't downplay the difficulty, but that additional ingredient has the power to transform it. You see, gratitude isn't a side issue of our faith. It's central because it allows us to continue to receive the gifts of God through the brokenness of our world. And that's why we have to learn this. We're living in a broken story. Our world is fractured. Yes, it was made good by our loving Father, but now because of sin and this rift with God, there's a crack that's running through it. And, and you see that almost everywhere. And as a result, we live with loss and trauma, but it's also here in the brokenness. It has to be, right? Where life comes from. I remember I was preparing for today, and in it, the last song in our early service was written by a German pastor. Almost 400 years ago, the 30 years war swept through Europe. Think of 30 years of war. And in, at the, as the war was coming to an end, there was a year of a terrible plague. And in this pastor's community, every other pastor had passed away, and he was left serving a whole lot of people. And in one year, he conducted over 4,000 funerals. Here he is right here. His name is Martin Rinkert. And he also performed his wife's funeral. But it was also at that time he wrote this hymn. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices. Who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. How did his gratitude survive in that overwhelming loss? And that's what I want to look at with you today from the book of Daniel, how gratitude brings us through times like this. Now, Daniel was a prophet of God, and his story in Scripture begins at the worst time in the history of God's people. Judah, we think of as Israel, was destroyed by the Babylonians. And when they did that, the Babylonians had sort of like something that they did. When they were conquered people, they would go among them, and they would take the brightest of the young people, and they would take them all home so that they would end up in the service of Babylon. I mean, it was pure genius, right? Well, Daniel was among those people, and he has to go to a completely new culture and new city. He has to get a new education, and he succeeds in everything, becoming the best of the best, and actually rising to leadership. In the meantime, this city is dominated by false gods, but he remains faithful to the Lord. And along the way, he gains status and position. And this means that the leaders, the Babylonian leaders, they hate this guy. He's not from among them, but he's succeeded and risen above them. And they see him as a threat and they seek his death. And, and so what do they do? Well, they concoct a plan to trap him. 
they play upon their king's pride. Here's the king, his name is Darius. And these officials approach him and say, really, you should be worshiped like a god around here. Why don't you just write a law that commands nobody else can be worshiped except you? Now, of course, this is a trap for Daniel. They know that Daniel worships the Lord. And here's what happened after the law is written. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem for the God he worships. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now, did you hear that? He's not complaining about his circumstances. He doesn't hide away in his room. He he is doing what he always does. He's always praying this prayer of thanks. Now, here he is captive of a foreign government, and he's forced to serve the enemy. And now with his life in danger, he is still giving thanks to his God. Now, why in the world is he doing that? Well, he knows God is sovereign, and in truth, this is the thing about Daniel. He's actually living in a different story than all of them. You see, in Daniel's story of our world, God is in charge, and and he's sovereign. He's king over all, and and nobody's control of the world like he is. So a lot of things may happen, but the reality is God is king, And you see, this is how gratitude can bring us through hard times. It it gives us a new perspective of our world. Hardship and loss become a trap, don't they, for you? They, They do for me. They grab and hold your attention. And they seem to have almost complete power and control. There's almost like a sovereign feeling to those things. And so we thank God. We recognize he's in control And it doesn't mean that we deny what's happening in our world. It means that we know God is sovereign over all of this. And this is what Daniel sees, but he sees more. He really believes this moment is in the hands of God. It's not just an idea of God's sovereignty. He believes God is working in this moment reigning over this moment. I'm, years ago, you may not be a Stephen Colbert fan, a late night talk show host, you might not like his politics or his person, but it helped me to learn some of his story. I don't know if you know what happened to him, but when he was 10 years old, his dad and two of his brothers were in an airplane that went down, they died. He was left alone at home with his mom and he was, he was living with this, wrestling with this. What was this about? This is what he said, I was left alone a lot After dad and the boys died, it was just me and mom for a long time. And her, by her example, I am not bitter. By her example, she was not. She was broken, yes, but bitter, no. And it was then that the lessons of his life sort of began to soak in and become real. He said, here's the context for my existence, is that I am here to know God, love God, serve God, that we might be happy with each other in this world and with him in the next. And if you know that, that's like catechism language. It'd been sort of driven into him. But now he's thinking about it. Why are you here? What do you believe this life is all about? Where do you think our world is going? That's what he was taught. But here was this huge loss that planted itself in the middle of his life. And you know what he began to do? He began to see how God brought good gifts to him out of it. 
He began to appreciate his life and his family even more. He began to connect with hurting people because he'd known hurt himself. He connected with his calling and it was really a a transformation. And then he ended up saying the most shocking thing. He said, I love the thing that I most wish had not happened. Think about that, I love the thing. He didn't want to lose his dad and brothers, but it was here where he began to receive gifts that he'd never seen before. And actually, as he's giving the interview, his eyes start to fill with tears. And this is what he says. So it would be ungrateful not to take everything with gratitude. It doesn't mean you want it, but I can hold both of these ideas in my head. And I thought, what if we had the ability to do that? Because we see a story that we're living in is about the sovereignty of God. And now we go back over the losses and we say, what are the gifts? We look for God's presence and we begin to reframe our lives. You know, the changing of the frame doesn't change the picture, but it changes how you see everything in the picture. And that's what Thanksgiving is. It's a reframing. And by the way, you can do this all across your life. My wife is an amazing reframer. I, um, I snore when I sleep, okay? I've never heard myself, but I've, I've woken myself up, okay? Maybe if you snore, you've done the same thing. So my wife, normally in the middle of the night, she would just give me a light, little gentle elbow to get me to turn over, and then I'll stop snoring. But then one day she said, this is what she said to me. She said, you know, one night I was laying there listening to you snoring, and I started thinking about what would it be like if you weren't here? Now that was a little creepy because I thought she was talking about my death, but she says she wasn't. But then she said this, she said, it was then that I, you know, she reframed this. I began to appreciate that you're there even though you're snoring. I'm like, I'm so glad my wife is good at this reframing stuff. But I mean, think about reframing. I I use a, a trite example to say, Look at your own life. You've interpreted it in a certain way, but we're living in this story where God is determined to work all things for your good, your his, and his glory. And there's an immense reframing that begins to take place. That's what helps us. I read the Daniel story, and it becomes a giant reframe. Darius, the Persian king, he looks all powerful, right? He can sign laws that cannot be revoked. He has the power to make himself a god. And the punishment, by the way, is to be thrown into a den of hungry felines. Now, we might think that Daniel would recant, right? What's the big deal? Why can't he just say, hey, I guess I took that a little too seriously. I don't have to keep praying toward Jerusalem. But when he hears that, when he's, you know, he hears about this new law, he thanks God. And when the king hears, he doesn't want to throw him to the lions, Even the king is powerless to change the story. And because he likes Daniel, he doesn't tell Daniel he's getting what he deserves. The king says this, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. He's hoping in a God he hasn't even trusted and believed in for Daniel's sake. And all of a sudden the story begins to pivot. It was before about trapping Daniel, and now it's about seeing the power of God in the world. And I thought, what would, what would our lives look like if we reframe things based on God and his sovereignty? And then how can gratitude 
help us to get you there. Let me tell you why I needed to do this. Many of you know, many of you also reached out to me this fall with the death of my younger brother, Brad. Here's a picture of Brad. He was 59 years old, and he didn't really have any health issues that we should lose him, but in a moment, we did. I had the privilege of spending time with my sister-in-law and her two boys. She's got a 21-year-old and 17-year-old son. And this is what she remarked at. She remarked at how COVID had been such a gift to her and her husband. He'd had an office in his home now. And they spent all these months together. And he did also with his boys. And they, she was so appreciative of this moment. She was, was grateful. And yes, she's missing him. And his loss is devastating. But she could see in the middle of this, God was giving them gifts. I realized this as I miss my brother. He was a gift to me, plain and simple. And I determined not to let the grief take the gift away but to make it even more poignant and precious to me. Think about that. To see having my, this brother Brad in my life is all of grace. By the way, you know that, right? You know the, the word gratitude comes from the same root. Gift. It's grace. It's seeing it as gift. Seeing all of life as that. Even in the hard things are redeeming God. And so there's sort of this process you go through. And it's first you start to notice this. Then you start thinking about this. Then you find yourself really feeling this. Then, you, then you're acting and you're doing something. And so we're training our eyes and our hearts. And then we respond with gratitude. And Daniel does this. He doesn't plead for his own life. Instead, he trusts in God who raises the dead. And, and you know that, right? I mean... You know, this is a death and resurrection story. Going into that den of lions and sealing it up, right? It's, it's like being dead. It's the picture of that. And coming out alive, is, it's a resurrection. Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. That's what gratitude is. It's trusting him. It's knowing that God, the Lord is God, and he is faithful, and we can rest in him. And that's really the final thing for me. It looks to a redemptive twist. It's all about redemption, right? Here's what happened. Daniel comes out alive like raised from the dead. And it was only, it wasn't just a miracle he lived out. But let me, let me tell you what happened. When the king found him alive, this guy who had declared himself a god that needed to be worshipped, he wrote this out to go to all of his land. He said this, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall, there shall be to be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Well, who could have brought that about? Here's a guy who's proclaiming himself God, and in the next scene, he's an evangelist, for goodness sake. You're like, wow, this is a redemptive twist, right? You see, we rejoice even in loss and difficulty because that's the message of the gospel. The cross shows us like nothing else the deep brokenness of our world, the need of every person to be redeemed, and it's there in the death of the Son of God, Jesus 
but a resurrection is coming. And we know that God is Lord. He will bring redemption. And by the way, this is the story of our world. And it's why we give thanks. It's where God brings life out of plane crashes that kill family members. And in the middle of what seems like meaningless loss, he continues to give his good gifts. You see, thanksgiving is a statement of faith of that. It's saying, I believe in God who raises the dead, however, wherever I am today. It's looking at God's grace and knowing that we have a future. It looks like that almond blossom when everything looks dark and we're wondering if there's hope, a little blossom appears and it's beautiful and it says life is coming. But you need to look for it. You know, in the Old Testament ministry of Jeremiah, that almond blossom was called the signal. It would send a sign. And that's the context of our world where the signal is we haven't been abandoned, we're not on our own, we're not forgotten. God has sent a redeemer. And he's continuing to show his grace. So I ask you this Thanksgiving, I've had to process this for myself, process it for you. Go to that place where you've seen the loss, where you've felt the hurt, and ask what gifts God has given in and through that. Maybe you've lost somebody you love. Maybe you've had a financial disaster. I talked to a guy who lost everything during COVID, and it wasn't until a month later he said, wow, I have such peace. I don't have the burden I was carrying, the fear that I used to have. How is God doing this in your life? And what I'd like for you to do, it'll be a help to me, whether you put your name on there or not, would you put it on the connecting card? If you're online, you can find a link to that. You can find um, a link to it in the pew. I'd love to hear like how during this time has God given you gifts in the midst of challenge and in the midst of difficulty? And that really is the gospel. If you don't have that picture of our world where God is sovereign, it'll be impossible to see this, but we can see this most clearly at the cross. You know, um, Daniel prayed toward Jerusalem because it was the picture of the God that he worshiped, and we pray in the direction of the cross because it shows how God is in the business of bringing redemption into our world, and he has redemption for each of us and for you too. Would you pray together with me? Lord, this Thanksgiving, it would be easy to forget all that we've been given. It would be easy to look and see see a year that's been hard. We have known a lot of loss. And we would forget that you're the redeeming God. You're sovereign. Lord, um, we thank you that there's not a square inch of all this creation that isn't under your sovereign control And that in this moment where we feel things are so out of control, you're at work and you're still giving good gifts and you're determined to redeem. And I pray that you give us the opportunity this week to celebrate that because it really is celebrating your glory, Lord, and how you're faithful. And I pray that you would show us that twist of redemption, how you always surprise us with your grace You bring life and love and goodness into our lives and also into the hard places. And we worship you, Lord. 
We praise your name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.